0: Welcome to the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Danny Small, alongside my co host, Chip Murphy. Chip, how are we doing today? I'm good,
1: man. Uh recovered after that Knicks Rockets game. Uh not just a disaster after that first quarter was first quarter was fun and uh then just classic Knicks after that. <laughs>
0: just, yeah, just yeah. false and hope. We yeah, I mean so that's much of it. <laughs> you know, that's kind of that's kind of been this team's MO for for, you know, a the better part of two decades. Uh, But today we're going to start off, talk a little bit about that Houston Rockets loss, and then we're going to move to some coaching stuff because there's some new info or at this point, uh, relatively new info, I guess you could call it about Tom Thibodeau and his chances to take over next year. Um, But again, like I said, let's start first with Rockets. And I think you kind of alluded to it there in the beginning, Chip, um, but that first quarter was awesome. Like it was, yeah. it was you know about as good as you could ask for from the Knicks going up. I know they didn't have Russ Westbrook, but you know as good as you can ask for a team going up against you know one of the the I don't know if they're necessarily they're close to a championship contender if they're not one right now. Um, I mean you know you have James Harden, you've got the micro ball or small ball whatever you want to call it, and in that first quarter, I mean R.J. Barrett he looked like he looked like a stud, you know, he, what did he have? 14 points, you know, he was, he was taking it to the hole aggressive. Um, and then, you know, kind of after that, that second quarter, and then that third quarter, especially things, uh, you know, things kind of unraveled for the Knicks. Um, just interested to hear your, uh, your kind of your thoughts on RJ, obviously that big first quarter, but kind of what happened to him after that?
1: Well, the first quarter, yeah, it was great. Six of eight, 14 points, made both of his threes. He outscored Harden in the first mm-hmm. quarter. Uh, I think he actually played the the entire first quarter pretty much, and he uh and Harden uh didn't really. He was still kind of getting into the groove of it because he showed up like right before tip off because he went to the Kobe memorial, mm-hmm. so he didn't really look like himself yet. But yeah, the we were only down. I think uh what was it like, or I think we were down three after the first quarter, something like that or down. Yeah. Down
0: three after the first. And then, yeah, yeah like I, that. I misspoke earlier, but it, yeah, it was the second quarter was the, uh, the really bad one.
1: Yeah. It was, so, it was something like that. Or maybe it was, t- I forget what it was, whatever. RJ played well in the first. <laughs> yeah. I think they were mm-hmm. down three, but um, yeah. And the second quarter, uh, I don't know why I'm surprised anymore But when a guy comes out as hot as R.J. and outscores his point per game average in the first quarter, because R.J. averages 13, he scored 14 in the first quarter, and then he comes out, he plays, by the way, he played eight minutes in the second quarter, he took one shot. The entire second quarter took one shot in eight minutes. Guess how many shots Bobby fucking Portis took in the second quarter?
0: I'm looking at the – I'm I'm, yeah. I'm. using a cheat sheet, but it's five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fucking Bobby Portis took five
1: shots in the second quarter. Yeah. Julius Randle only took two, but it was two shots too fucking many. Let's be honest, okay? Julius Randle, oh, my – like, I, I'm not even going to waste time on Julius Randle. Let it out. Like, Julius, look at – go look at Macri's Knicks uh, – uh, what's the news? I can't. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to Mac. Nick's, I can't uh, even stick the newsletter that he, that he writes like Nick's film just school look newsletter. At, he did an amazing job with the the play, the Julius Randall play, the videos and all he did. Uh, I can't do it justice as well as he did with my words as well as he did in that newsletter. Oh, my God. It was watching him play and stifle everything. He's one of the most frustrating Knicks I've ever seen, Randall. And I've seen a lot of frustrating players come through here. Derrick Rose was incredibly frustrating to watch. When he would... Uh, when he. This was back when we all loved KP. When KP would stand at the top of the key, waving his hand wide open. Mm-hmm. And D. Rose would just go and do D. Rose things. Like, it's even worse than that now. Because you have R.J., and now you have, uh, mm, I, I can't even like, I, I'm just, cause I'm still looking at the second quarter box score here. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the fact that Bobby Portis took five shots in a quarter when RJ took one. And, and also, Oh God. Well, you know, I'm, I'm happy that Damian Dotson took five shots in that quarter. I am. happy about Yeah. That. I, was,
0: I was, I was actually just looking at that. I mean, yeah, yeah. he only, he only played 17 or just under 18 minutes, but I thought he was, he was good and aggressive in those minutes. Um, but yeah, no, the, the Randall stuff, you, I mean, listen, the guy, he, he works his tail off. He rebounds. I, you know, I think he gives good effort defensively even if he's not a great defender, but he he is very frustrating to watch, you know, just the the spin moves into traffic and, you know, just he, that spin move that he has that always oh. seems to end up in a turnover. You know, kind of going, he always d- tries to go from you know the right and then get back to his left hand. That's a tough one. And you know,
1: not... oh sorry, go ahead, man. I, I I was just gonna say, I'm sure what you were about to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I actually I was gonna shift it a little bit more to kind of like just the idea, like that. You know, the Knicks are like a very big team inside you know they have they have Randall they have Mitch they have Portis they have Taj they have like they play like a big big lineup and they tried to go big at you know the Rockets with let's post up Bobby Portis let's post up Julius Randall and it's like everything that the Rockets wanted teams to do against them is like think like oh let's just post up like that the Knicks just played right into their hand Knicks would try and post up down the floor and even if they scored on that the Rockets would just come down on the other end. How James many Harden shots would, did Robert you know, Covington would, fucking would block drill last three. night? Yeah, that too. Robert Covington was like, all of a sudden, he was like, uh, you know, the the best rim protector you've ever seen. And I'm, I'm even, I'm looking at it now. The, the Rockets, they didn't even shoot that well from three. They were 16 for 48. But the one thing, I mean, and you saw it happen about eight times with Harden was, you know, they would spread the floor out. Guys wouldn't you know, would kind of be either attached to their man or not paying attention. Harden would beat his guy and then he'd have a wide open layup, you know, just no resistance, no rim protection. Even when Mitch was on the floor, that was happening where, you know, Harden would be at the rim and Mitch would kind of be like turning around like, Oh shit, I didn't even realize like, so yeah, it was to me that, I mean, it was just weird watching, you know, the Knicks kind of just play right into Houston's hands um, and I'm just to get back to the original point, I thought RJ, you know, obviously he was so aggressive and so, you know, strong early on, but like you kind of alluded to there with Portis and Randall, they just kind of went away from him. They didn't, they didn't, you know, put the ball in his hands much. And Mike Vorkanov of the athletic, he asked, I was watching the post game. He asked a question to Miller about, you know, why was RJ so aggressive in the first quarter and then you know why did you go? Why did you know the the offense seem to go away from him? And I'm I'm kind of upset because Miller like it was it was phrased differently than how I just said it. And Miller didn't really like he thought that they that Vork was saying that like R.J. was bad in the first quarter, so he didn't give like a direct answer to the question. So I, I I'm he he kind of like he kind of like changed the answer like didn't answer the question. Which, you know, I'm I would be interested to hear him actually, you know, give a reason why RJ, you know, he took what, eight shots in the first uh first quarter and then seventeen for the game. But it was, you know, like you said, he had one shot in the second quarter. He had, he had six in the third, so he, he got the ball there. But then yeah, two in the fourth. So I mean it was just it was weird that, you know, that was working so well and RJ was clearly the guy who was, you know, I don't want to say dominating the game, but he was he was asserting himself, and then you know it seems like they just went completely away from him.
1: He played the best quarter of his career, and then mm-hmm. they took the ball out of his hands and put it into Bobby Portis's hands, and Ooh. said, oh. it, "No, go ahead." Sorry, I, I, no, I was just, <laughs> I was I was just I
0: was <laughs> no, I don't mean to cut you off because I no. I feel like a good rant is coming, but I think <laughs> I, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just very, I'm very interested in the, uh, the Bobby Portis playing every game streak. <laughs> that is one thing that I'm, I am like very, very interested in. This Bobby is Portis
1: is our Joe DiMaggio. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah Bobby Portis is going to break uh Cal Ripken jr's record. <laughs> <laughs> um, God. but yeah, that's, that's sucks. all I had. He's I, had, I, had I had to plug
1: that. How about when Bobby Portis? Got juked by Damari Carroll like it was fucking Carl Malone's pump fake. That was one of the mm. most embarrassing defensive plays I've ever seen. Oh my god! Like yeah. he's so fucking bad. And how many? Uh, I uh, hold on. How many minutes did he play? I didn't even notice that.
0: Twenty uh, twenty twenty five is it? Twenty four and twenty four and twenty four and twenty four and a half. Yeah, 24. I'm on. I'm on Basketball Reference, so. They have like the uh, the exact, but yeah, that's yeah. NBA stats has the exact.
1: Smith played thirty because Peyton and we didn't talk about Smith. I
0: yeah, actually, we didn't even talk about. Yeah, Smith. But I was I was going to say nice things about him. Yeah, uh, I like the the aggressiveness. The seven steals is a
1: bit misleading, but his defense was his defense was aggressive at the beginning. Yeah,
0: no, like that's I mean, I'm listen, I'm not going to say, all right, he's figured it out. He's, you know, he's back No, But, you know, he looked engaged. I mean, still like kind of his offense sometimes looks just not he took. good because he he dribbles around he takes these weird step back sometimes so like it's not always perfect but you know i mean seven rebounds five assists he was you know he was active he was engaged i mean even though the defense at times isn't great like you said you know seven steals i know a lot of them were just kind of fell in his lap type mm-hmm. steals but uh but you know i i, I want to give him credit when uh you know when when we can because this you know, maybe as sad as it sounds was his best game of the year.
1: I think it has to be by default, right? doesn't? Has he had mm. another good game? Let's I don't know that's... if he's
0: had. He's he's got to have scored double digits once
1: before this year. Yeah, he must have. I just the I was looking at PBP stats though before when mm-hmm. uh, like right before we went on, and he took like four long twos where you're just like that make you want to tear your hair mm. out. Cause it's just like the lack of uh, awareness. It's like, he's got even the, the Houston announcer is like, Oh, foot on the line for Smith again, <laughs> for, for mm. one of his, uh for one of the long twos. And it's like, Oh God, like there's a 20 footer, a 21 footer, a 22 footer. And it's like, Jesus dude. And one of them, he like dribbles in and he like loses it the handle and then dribbles all the mm-hmm. way back out. And, Instead of taking the three, keeps his foot on the line. It's like, oh, God. But, I mean, look, there's talent there. But so much has happened in New York. I just don't see it happening. And, Mm -hmm. look, and it was talked about on Twitter, obviously, last night. It needs to be taken into account. He's looked like fucking... He's looked, His body language, we've talked about it on this show, his body language has looked like shit all year long. And he gets put into the starting lineup and all of a sudden he's happy as a pig and shit for the first time all year long. He's smiling and it's like, okay, this is a guy who thought he should have been starting over Luka Doncic. So he needs to we, – we really need to think like maybe something's kind of off with this guy if he thinks he should be starting right now. Does he think he should – like Alfred Payton's not Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. But Dennis Smith Jr. is not playing better than Alfred Payton. So maybe he thinks he should be starting, and that's a problem if he can only be happy and play well when he's in the starting lineup. I like think that's an issue.
0: And just to your point there, uh, I was at practice on Sunday, and there were yeah, there were like three of us there. So we actually had a you know good chance to kind of listen mm-hmm. to Dennis talk to him a little bit and uh you know he admitted basically that like it has been difficult this year you know with the injuries you know the the loss of his stepmother like being on the court you know just in itself has been difficult for him and then you know he definitely acknowledged that like trying to learn a new role because i mean he's never come off the bench in his life you know trying to learn that role hasn't been easy for him and like It's, I mean, it was the best I've seen him, you know, at least in an interview in terms of like, he was, he was engaging, he was upbeat, he was, you know, giving good answers. Like he was, he was, you know, there and, you know, seemed like he had the right mindset. But like you said, you know, at that point, Frank and Alfred had both sat out Sunday practice. So he kind of knew, you know, probably Mm -hmm. I'm starting tomorrow. That probably gave him a little bit of a lift, which hey, if you're in the NBA, you can't, you know, you can't have that mindset where I have to be in this one specific role, especially if, you know, you're Dennis Smith Jr. If you're Luka Doncic, yeah, you can, you can say like, I'm not coming off the bench. You can, like, you can assert yourself because you're a superstar, but if you're Dennis Smith Jr. and you're just trying to like find your place in the league, you kind of, you have to, you have to be able to figure it out and and make it work from where, where, whatever position, whatever role the coach puts in. You got to be able to figure it out better than he has. It
1: pissed off people when Carmelo Anthony had that type of mm. mindset. And he's one of the greatest players ever. <laughs> he's a Hall of Famer. Dennis Smith Jr. can't have that fucking mindset. <laughs> he's Dennis Smith Jr. So it's he needs to get his priorities in order. He, sh- he needs to learn to be a bench player.
0: Yeah. And you know, like we don't have to spend too much time on him, but I definitely wanted to give him a little bit of credit for uh, for showing up, you know, on on yeah. Monday against the Rockets. And uh, you know, I was just upset because he talked to, he talked a little bit and like gave some good answers about you know facing off against Russell Westbrook. And I actually I was looking it up; they played each other a bunch when he was in Dallas. And you know, Russ obviously always put up better stats, but Smith always kind of hung tough with him. So uh, like, I was kind of interested to see. If, you know, maybe just like going against Russ would have like kind of unlocked something in him to, you know, make him make him like kind of break out of his shell or whatever. But obviously with Russ's injury that didn't happen. Um But yeah, that's I mean, that's really all I think I have on Dennis Smith Junior specifically. I just uh listen, we, we might we might not get another chance to give Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. praise. <laughs> we should uh, we should take advantage of it while we can.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he's gonna well, I mean, is Alfred Payton? Uh, I guess I saw Neil is doubtful, so, Payton, right? He might not play. Yeah,
0: Neil Akina, doubtful. Payton is probable for Wednesday against the Hornets. Yeah. So I guess so. Smith is going to play on Wednesday. Too. Yeah, I guess. And, and you know, it seems like lately they've been more uh, more inclined to use Frank in that off-ball role kind of and, you know, use him more of like a combo guard than is just like, you know, your your typical backup point guard. Like they've been – uh, what, what game was it? Uh, Indy Friday night. You think Frank came in originally as, uh, a point guard and then Dennis Smith Jr. Came in a little after him and like, they kind of shared duties or whatever. So I think, you know, they're, 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 they're a little more flexible with Frank, which I think is a good thing.
1: Yeah, they're definitely more flexible with Frank, but I was like going back, to, uh, going back to Macker again, he was talking about, the. Uh, Frank thing and Frank versus Peyton and it's clear one of the things against Randall too is he only play like he only looks comfortable when he's out there with Peyton like he Mm -hmm. just clearly doesn't enjoy playing with Frank and it's like Mm -hmm. I don't get that because Frank seems like he would be easier to play with because he's such a smart player not that Peyton's not smart but it's
0: but, yeah, I, I mean, I Frank's, Frank's like, defense helps you out. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's not going to dominate the ball, which, yeah. you, know, you, yeah. you know, Randall likes to have the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, you know, I've just been, like, thinking of, thinking of, like, stupid stuff because that's just how my brain works. But I'm thinking about, you know, Frank Milikina's future in New York, and I'm wondering if his growing relationship with R.J. Barrett will play a factor in that at all. Because it feels like those two, at least you know, just talking to them in the locker room on Friday, they really enjoy playing with each other. And I'm, I mean, at least from from what I know, um, I mean, I don't know a ton about the person, the guys' player uh, personal lives or whatever, but it seems like Barrett and Frank have become like really, really close friends this year. Which, I mean, they're not gonna, it's not gonna be a DeAndre Jordan situation where they sign Frank just to keep RJ happy, <laughs> but. But I, th- I don't think that can hurt if, you know, the the team's crown jewel or, you know, their number one prospect, whatever, is your best friend. I don't – I mean, I don't think that hurts you.
1: No, it can't hurt.
0: I mean, and how many years does Frank have left on his deal? He's got one more year and then he's restricted uh, after next season. Yeah. So,
1: I look, I'm sure Leon Rhodes is probably going to keep an open mind with Frank or I hope mm. – He's going to anyway. Uh, I honestly have no idea. We'll get to, we'll get to Leon Rose and his choice of
0: head coach shortly. Yeah. I guess <laughs> his and obvious actually, choice of head coach. <laughs> now, I'm, now I, I say that about RJ and Frank, and now I'm remembering that the Knicks traded away Willie Hernan Gomez. Um, so I don't That's know. That's right. Different, different regimes, but, uh, but that just for whatever reason, I guess, cause, uh, because the Knicks are playing Charlotte tomorrow, that popped into my head.
1: Yeah, I think that's what started it all with KP. That's trading Willie Hernango Willie that was the
0: that was it. That was, that was that the was, straw, that was the, yeah. Yeah, the downfall. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess we kinda we kinda alluded to it there. Let's uh let's transition. Oh, that and
1: when, sorry, that and when they fired Joshua
0: Longstaff. That was the <laughs> Yeah, that was the other one. That was the other one. It was that and then you know, after, after they fired Longstaff, uh, <laughs> Porzingis, Porzingis started parking his car in two spots in the Tarrytown Yeah, and, you know. What an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, before we, we get into the KP saga, cause I already, every time I write something about him, people yell at me. So, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll transition this to, uh, I don't know if it's a better topic for fans or, or oh, a worse gosh. one, but, uh. So our, our good friend of the show, John Macri, who we, we reference a lot due to his great work with uh, Nick's Film School and SI, uh, he recently came out with a scoop that some, I think the exact thing was like someone with knowledge of the situation put the odds on Tom Thibodeau taking over next year at 90%, which obviously there's still 10% there. So t- like if you're freaking out, there's still, you know, it's not a done deal. It, it never is at this point. Um, but I think what I took away from Macri's reporting is essentially that Thibodeau is a legitimate candidate. He's going to be at the top of the list. Um, and you know, I, unless something crazy happens, like there's another candidate, someone blows him away, Mike Miller goes on a 25-game winning streak to end the year, I think uh, if any, unless any of that stuff happens, I think we can be, you know, safely say that Thibodeau is going to be. Heavily in the mix, um, and I'm not sure exactly how I feel about that. I think we'll we'll kind of talk this out here, but Chip, I think you probably have a stronger reaction than <laughs> I would at this point.
1: Yeah, I I'm not into it. No, I I my feeling is if you're gonna hire Tom Thibodeau, like might as well just keep Mike Miller. They're very similar, except that the only difference is. Mike Miller's younger, and he's not stuck in his ways, because and he has a relationship with these players. These players seem to like him and respect him, uh, and the only reason you're hiring Tom Thibodeau is because he's CAA, he's a name, and because the fans who aren't Nick's Twitter, which is 90% of the fan base, I guess, 95% of the fan base is going to say, oh, shit, Tom Thibodeau or, oh, shit, Mark Jackson. All right, we got those guys. Uh, but I I guess that's a reason to hire them. But I don't think he's a smart move. I think that he showed in Minnesota. It's He's not going to – he's 62 years old. 62-year-old. Coaches don't change. He's going to run his guys into the ground. He's always going to have guys in the top five in minutes. He doesn't work well with young players. RJ's not going to get better under Tom Thibodeau. Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, they're not going to get better. I took back Dennis Smith Jr. right away. Sorry. I apologize for even bringing him up. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) There's no. There's Tom could you imagine Tom Thibodeau in the gym with Dennis Smith Jr., he'd throw him out. Like <laughs> he's not gonna help these young guys. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, he couldn't even help Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. There's no way this is gonna work. Like, on the right team, Tom Thibodeau could be a good coach that helps. Like, I don't know. If you went to a team that was already a contender, say Say, Billy Donovan retired from Oklahoma City. Retired. Resi- don't say that. Resigned from Oklahoma City. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I, know, I, know you, I know you like him. I know you like <laughs> yeah. guy. He just walked away from Oklahoma City. Or some other team like that. Some other good team. I don't know why Oklahoma City popped into my head. But, uh, some other... Pl- like a playoff team. If he walked into a playoff team situation, he'd be good there. Yeah. But... He's not the right coach for a rebuilding situation. He's just not. The same way Fizz wasn't. Fizz was a guy who was supposed to coach Christoph Sporzingis, and he was supposed to be a guy like Phil Jackson who brought stars to New York. He was miscast in a rebuilding coach's role. Like Kenny Atkinson was brought to Brooklyn to mold young players because he was known as a player development guy. If Mike Miller is supposed to be a player development guy, why not just keep him? Uh, Jeff Van Gundy does a really good job with these young kids in Team USA. So if you're really – I I don't know. I mean, uh, obviously it's not going to be Van Gundy because Thibodeau – Tibbs is the guy that's being pushed so hard right now. I don't think Van Gundy even wants to coach. It doesn't seem like. I'm not in on uh, Tibbs. I don't think it's a good idea. I think that he, him, and the media too. I, I don't think it's a good fit. Not that I give a shit about the media or anything, but I just don't like it. I think he's his defense. For his defense to work, he needs like three All NBA players for it to be successful. And look, he has he has Mitch there who's who's a great defender, but I don't know. We'll see. I I don't like it. I don't like the idea. I I I I would prefer someone else, but let's face it. It's the Knicks. This is how it's going to go. They want a name and they're going to hire a name. They want a name and they're going
0: to hire a name. Okay. So I think I think you made a lot of good points. I like the um kind of what you're saying about like he's much better off in a you know like an established team than a rebuilding i think there's that's that's there's a lot of truth to that cuz i mean we saw how successful he was in chicago compared mm-hmm. to you know going to minnesota trying to kind of fix them and then obviously the jimmy butler situation kind of turned everything on its head but um but i'm just i'm going to i'm going to play uh devils advocate here for the sake of playing devils advocate i think he would actually get along pretty well with rj barrett if I'm being honest, because I think like Barrett is, you know, I think he's not he's not one of these like young kids like like I am mean, I know I'm I'm this is like such a like a hot takey thing. But like Carl Anthony Towns, like to me, like Jimmy Butler, like was it would always say like guys on this team didn't want to like they don't care about winning. They don't care enough about winning shit like that. And like I feel like he's talking about towns. Yeah, he's talking about towns because towns. Towns wanted to get his Fortnite buddy D'Angelo Russell. Like that's what he's been trying to do for the last like three years. Like, I, like I don't know if like towns and that Minnesota team like really just had what it took to survive with you know someone as intense as Thibodeau. And again, you know Thibodeau, if he's going to be successful, he needs to kind of update himself to to kind of get with modern NBA I mean you see you're not going to survive if you can't do that to some extent but I think I think I think he would get along well with RJ Barrett because I think I think Barrett really the only thing he cares about really I mean obviously I'm just putting him in a box here but like I think he's like the only thing he cares about is winning really like at least that's my impression I've got you know covering him for you know whatever we're at 60 something games or whatever now um I think I think Barrett kind of has that 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 fire in him. I mean, listen, nobody's Jimmy Butler, but in that same you know sense where like he's just he's kind of a dog. Like he he really he just wants to work hard and win. And I think you have other guys on the roster. Like I think Frank is kind of in that same mold. I think Frank might even be better off with a guy like Tibbs, who will play him like big minutes. Because you know Tibbs is going to like Frank for his defense. So, you know, he plays in big minutes. He challenges him. He doesn't let him off the hook. I think that would be good for Frank. I think Damian Dotson is another guy who would do well with, under Tibbs. But then, you know, you look at, I don't know, how Mitchell Robinson would do under him because um, Mitch is just kind of a, a – He'd either he's, flourish or it'd be a Yeah, disaster, exactly. Or it'd be a he's 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 like to me. Mitch is like a wild card with that. Like it could it could work out like you know like all of a sudden Mitch playing thirty minutes a game, you know, Mm -hmm. averaging three blocks or like something crazy, or it could you know Mitch just completely goes in the tank and shuts down. Um, And even like I don't know, maybe even like Kevin Knox because I mean Miller's not necessarily like an in your face coach. You know, Fizz was. Not that at all. Maybe a guy like Tibbs who can come in and kind of lay down the law a little bit. I mean, I know it didn't work in Minnesota, but I wouldn't completely write it off in New York. Um, but again, I'm I'm just I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, trying to trying to piece together how this might be a win because. Um, I guess my feeling is almost just that there's there's a lot of worse candidates out there. If they get Thibodeau, I'm not going to be you know over the moon. All right, they finally figured it out. They're, this is it. They're gonna they're gonna figure this thing out because I think at this point, no one should ever get that benefit of the doubt when they're coming into the Knicks. But at the same time, I don't hate. I don't like. I yeah. I hate like I hate saying I hate putting it this way because it feels like I'm I, I'm just copping out on the whole Tibbs question. But I would I would dislike a lot more people than him. You know, like if if Tibbs means there's no Mark Jackson. Yeah, that's fair. I yeah. I I'd, I'd sign I'd sign sign up for that. You know, right now. But okay. I yeah, think I think like I think like you said. You know, if you want to go with that old school kind of guy, Van Gundy's probably the better option. But again, we don't know what the Knicks feeling is on him, given, you know, their history together. And then, you know, to add on top of that, we don't know, um, you know, we don't know if Van Gundy even wants to coach. I mean, he's got a sweet gig, mm. you know, announcing for ESPN and then doing, you know, he still coaches Team USA, like, you know, in summers and things like that. So he's got a good gig. I don't know if he would want to give up all that to uh, come to a team that's going to have, you know, 22 23 wins going, you know, next season.
1: And Tibbs is leaking all this stuff while there's a coach in place. That's not Van Gundy's style. Yeah, that's that's not Van Gundy at all.
0: And Van Gundy and Miller, they they coach together. Yeah, exactly. Especially Miller, Miller, Miller. Yeah, Miller has been on you know Team USA staff with him. So that's the
1: other thing. You could get the bet like if you hire Van Gundy as the head coach, Miller could stay on as the
0: assistant. I don't know if he'd want to do that Mm. after being the head guy, but. I don't know. It's Mac Macri mentioned something about that, that the Knicks are, are open to that. And I mean, I've, I've, I've turned, I've changed my tune in the beginning. I was like, you know, Miller, you know, or not even that I was like down on him, but he's exceeded my expectations. I think I know the Knicks are in a little bit of a rough patch, but I mean, he's doing a good job. All things considered. I mean, he's the front office. Hasn't spoke to the media since that Cleveland game where they came out after the game. Um, so basically Miller's been taking all the shots from reporters. He's been, you know, the face of the franchise, even during all this, you know, this upheaval. So he I, I, I think Scott he's, Perry multiple times a day. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. But yeah, he, he's in a, t- he's in a tough situation. I feel like he's making the best of it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to want to step down and, you know, take a, take a lesser role under Tibbs or Van Gundy or, you know, whoever, but again, it, I don't know if he's gonna necessarily like go out on the open market and get a head coaching job right away. Yeah,
1: I don't think it's a good. I saw the Berman thing that I don't think it's a good sign. He said he hasn't spoken to Leon Rose yet. That's probably not a good sign.
0: But yeah, he yeah he's he's mentioned that a couple times. But again, he might he might just I don't he might just be saying that just because. Uh, I guess because he hasn't taken this, over,
1: but still, yeah, because
0: uh, I know they they like they didn't want to they didn't want to like have these like conflicts where like people are like oh yeah no like I I'm in contact with Leon Rose they didn't want to like say that kind of stuff until it was official but it's it's like a weird situation as is.
1: I don't know that he already got fired on TV by the brand manager.
0: Yeah, so. Steve Stout, which <laughs> which. Uh, yeah, that was actually I I that was probably one of the more fun podcasts we did cuz it was just basically <laughs> me me just kind of sitting back and listening to you and Matt just rip this guy apart. <laughs> what a fucking moron that guy is. Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. We'll
1: never hear from him again.
0: So, don't have to worry about that. Don't... Well, he was he was like I don't want to say like front and center, but he was out and about All-Star weekend. He was he was oh, I was think he? Berman Berman had a story on him or you know something he was talking to somebody at All Star Weekend. I don't. Know, I don't even. I don't even remember. It feels like that was like a year ago now. Well, we'll never see him on TV again. Yeah, that, you know, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think we're gonna have any more first take appearances no. from him <laughs> he No. Got eat, eaten alive. Stephen A. Smith was like Jaws. This motherfucking
1: yeah. chum they, in the water. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they they saw that guy and they saw yeah. especially Nick's Nick's marketing or oh. consultant what like whatever they just they saw Nick's and they're like licking their chops. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but I mean I don't know. I I, I guess we're kind of getting off track here. But with the Tibbs stuff, I don't know if I have anything else to really add. Um, kind of I was like I said playing devil's advocate a little bit there, but uh, but. I think you you're you're kind of I think you're probably uh you're probably closer to the truth with uh that he's not as good with rebuilding teams as he would be with, you know, like a a bona fide playoff team. But I don't know. There's still that ten percent. We don't we never we never know until uh till the ink's dry.
1: It seems like he's the guy and I think you also make a good point that which is sad, but true that it is a good point that if it means no Mark Jackson, we'll take him, but, uh, look, um, of all the names that have come out, Jay Wright, Calipari, Van Gundy, Tibbs, and Mark Jackson, uh, obviously Jay Wright and Calipari were never serious. Those guys were never leaving college for the Knicks, Mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure if Van Gundy was ever really serious. I think the only two real serious options were Jackson and Tibbs. And of those two guys, if that's really it, then I guess you got to go with Tibbs. Because Mark Jackson, you can't, you just can't. There's so many red flags there. I mean, there's red flags with Tibbs, but with Mark Jackson, there's countless red flags. Like, there's so many. There's so many. Uh, you yeah. Just, and you, you had to go with Tibbs yeah. over Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson.
0: Yeah. And just, I mean, not that this holds any weight or anything like that. But just for what it's worth, I've written, I've written a long feature about, you know, the Calipari stuff because mm-hmm. we asked them about pra- uh, at practice, Knox and Randall about that. So we did the Calipari stuff. I've written a couple things on Jay Wright. And then I've written, you know, a couple of things on Tom Thibodeau. I have yet to write anything about Mark Jackson because there hasn't been any like news or really any like legitimate like rumblings yet. So I guess for the anti Mark Jackson crowd, that's a good thing. I don't know. It's very uh, anecdotal on my part, but uh, I'm just I'm just trying to to, to figure out my brain how Mark Jackson is not going to be the head coach.
1: But Stephen A. Smith says that New York is crying out for Mark Jackson as the head coach. So I, I don't understand. We should all be wanting him.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think I think you uh, you said it earlier, and you're you're spot on with it. Like it, Nick's Twitter is not Nick's fan. Like that's not the Nick's yeah. fan base. So I think I think probably a majority of fans would love it if Mark Jackson got yeah. hired. But I mean, it's probably also a lot of uh, a lot of people who watched him play for the Knicks and loved him for the Knicks, watched him play for St. John's, loved him on St. John's, you know, and then maybe, you know, didn't follow his coaching career as closely. Cause like on it, on its face, like his, he was a, he, like his coaching career. It's like, man, like he just missed out on, on, you know, winning a championship. He, he got the Warriors to kind of where they are, you know, like if you're just looking at it like that, like, you're like, man, like the Warriors just didn't give him a chance, which like you can say, you know, I mean, obviously, people can argue that to a certain extent, but I think if you like drill down into his tenure, the change to Steve Kerr was like the best thing the Warriors could have ever done.
1: Oh my God! Of course, when he was trying to heal Steph
0: Curry with holy water yeah. or whatever
1: he was like, I that think they made the right
0: he, move. <laughs> he fired. He fired Brian Scalabrini for questioning him in a in a coaches meeting and like i think Scalabrini I, i'm messing up this story a little bit so take it with a grain of salt but uh like Scalabrini said like hey can we run that back like i i, I think I, th- I don't know i i think that like so and so happened and mark jackson was like was like what 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 like and like started yeah. yelling at him and then the next day like Scalabrini like some staffer told him like hey you're you're an assistant for the uh the Santa Cruz Warriors now
1: Oh my god, I I think I remember that. Th- did Scalabrini talk about that publicly or did that come out in a story?
0: He I actually it's funny. I have uh my Beta ball book which is about the warriors and it has a big uh has a big section on Mark Jackson. I think it was in this book that I read it, but I think I think Scal has also talked about it publicly. I'm not 100% I can't remember where I, where I saw him talking about it, but I, I'm almost positive. I read it in this book as well, okay. but yeah, yeah, no, that's, it's just, I'll take Tibbs. If it means no, no Jacks.
1: Yeah. He's he'd be. And like you said, the people who watched him play have no idea who remember him as a player, have no idea what a train wreck he would actually be as mm-hmm. a coach. It'd be awful. So I think you're right. It's, Tibbs is the lesser of the two evils. So, you go with him. <laughs> yeah, that's uh
0: if, yeah, that's <clears throat> I don't know. That's that's about all I have. You have any uh any closing thoughts on these uh kind of two I mean, this is this is every week we I feel like we're talking about bad like bad negative stuff, but you get a Rockets yeah, this... blowout into uh into Tom Thibodeau talk. So, not yeah. not the most uplifting Nick State of Mind pod.
1: There's nothing positive to say. Colin's given up on the season. So he's like he's following the Wizards only I think now from
0: what I Yeah, that's what right. I, yeah, Colin, which actually I mean his uh, his I love his Wizards coverage yeah, his if, Wizards if you're stuff uh, is good. Yeah, if you if you guys are listening Colin, I I think we've had him on the show a couple times before. Yeah. But uh he writes for uh Wiz of Oz, the fan cited Wizards mm-hmm. site, Colin Loring. He does a great job there, so the Knicks were so bad that he he had to jump ship for the Wizards.
1: Oh shit! I'm also writing for Hoops Habit now. I forgot. I keep forgetting to say. Oh, that yeah, on the, yeah. on the you're, show. You're,
0: <laughs> oh my god, it's Magic. It's Magic now, right? Yeah, it's
1: Orlando. I'm writing uh, about the Magic for Hoops Habit. Hoops Habit, is, by the way, uh, is doing a fucking amazing job. We're scooping up all these talented writers. Guys from ESMY are going to Hoops Habit too. A lot of guys yeah, I know, are.
0: Uh, I know Nolan Jensen, who yeah. I, I host, Clean Sweep, our mm-hmm. Nets podcast for SNY. He's doing some uh, some OKC stuff there, which it's funny because he, he and I were talking. I'm sure you can relate to this, but uh, he and I were talking. He's like, oh, it's just such a such a relief to st- like not have to watch the Nets like I can watch the Thunder <laughs> instead, which I'm sure is a similar similar thing for you. Uh, not having to watch the Knicks, and you can watch your your uh, beloved Magic.
1: It'd be nicer if Jonathan Isaac was playing. That's but true. Watching Markel Fultz is fun, man. He's fun to watch.
0: I like him. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's fun to watch. And Aaron Gordon, man, last the game against the Nets last. Well, mm. we're recording this on Tuesday. The game on Monday when they had the when they had the big comeback, the Nets blew the nineteen point lead in the third quarter. That he had an amazing game. Like yeah, Aaron Gordon he was, he can he was play legit. and all the, yeah, there's all this talk about how they should trade him and all that shit. It's, I don't want to go too far down the magic rabbit hole and lose people, <laughs> but the, uh, the magic and Knicks are actually in a very similar spot. Uh, organizationally, the magic don't have a prospect. I think is promising as RJ Barrett. I wouldn't say, I don't, I don't know if Aaron Gordon is, has quite the ceiling that RJ does. But it's uh, – I mean, Aaron Gordon. Markel Fultz has quite the – same yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, that yeah, no. Barrett, Sorry. But uh, it's – they really are because they're kind of stuck in a rut and they don't really have a superstar. But uh, it's, it's interesting watching a different team. I will say that because you're used to watching one team all – all year long and now you have now i have league pass and i watch more than one team it's it's better it's better
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's better so yeah so that's that's uh i think our closing statement for the next state of mind podcast listeners try and watch some teams that are not named the knicks yeah try like just just treat yourself reward yourself Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm also not to keep going down this magic rabbit hole, but I'm also a big magic guy because as, as, uh, anyone who listens or reads me or anything like that, you know, that I have a soft spot for Europeans (laughs) and even more specifically my French Europeans guys like Evan Fournier. So I do, uh, I do love catching the magic when I can, uh, just, just for the, just for him alone. But um, but yeah, I think I think that's all we have for you guys this week. Uh, thanks again for listening to Nick's State of Mind podcast. We will be back again with another episode next week. And hopefully, hopefully, don't count on it, though. Hopefully, we have something positive to talk about. Because other than sneaking in, you know, that little Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, two seconds there, we didn't really have much this week.
1: No, an R.J. Barrett quarter of play. I was about yeah that too yeah I forgot it yeah. okay
0: yeah I already I already yeah. forgot about that so yeah. RJ Barrett quarter and a Dennis Smith Jr. decent game were the uh, the only positives from this episode but hey if anyone all all the Knicks fans listening to this are probably used to it by now so we're just preaching nah. in the choir no we're a negative podcast right now sorry yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It it is what it is. Yeah. If you want positivity, listen to a fucking Lakers podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Listen to somebody else. Yeah. So thanks again for listening, guys. We'll catch you next week.